Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. to episode 9 of season 4 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, a podcast that is just rocketing up the Alabama podcast charts. I mean, Tom, I have no less than three to four people daily telling me, man, I really heard you, I heard your podcast. It's really good. Uh, you guys work great together. Are you hearing the same stuff in Birmingham? <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. Uh, I played golf with a group of guys today and uh, one of them, or actually two of them, uh, listened to the podcast, and uh, they were talking about the the golf challenge that we had. We had no takers in today's group, by the way. Smart men, <laughs> no takers. They they were not uh, they were not a fan of 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 putting the five year prison sentence on the line, so they they passed on that challenge. Uh, I, I I would. Uh, it's good in theory, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to pass as well. But uh, I saw you tweeted out that some chick hit a uh, a hole in one, so that was good. Which they do, they happen, they happen. I guess daily, there's so many people playing golf, some somewhere somebody's hitting a hole in one. But uh, it's it's very, it's I've never come close like we've talked about. I have probably come closer to a double eagle on a par five than I have to a hole in one. So I just and I don't and the way I play golf, I'm pretty much a top golfer now, so I don't hit the links very much to aim at the at the holes. Aim at the huge craters at Top Golf. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be uh happy to know that I did not come close to the day either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well uh it seemed there was something I was gonna say that was gonna reference uh last night. Of course we did uh I took a half day off work this morning because I had to travel back from the beautiful town of Macala uh, where we had Tom's 50th birthday party last night. Fuzzy Naval played, good as always, and uh, a large time was had by all. Hate that you missed it. Oh, I know what I was going to say on the you, – you tweeted out. So we, we're continually wanting to get Twitter followers, Twitter interactions, and you said, well, maybe let's just scale it back to one address because I've been giving out three or three Twitter handles. So the one Twitter handle that we want you to hit us up on is at targeting night. At targeting night, and I tell you what, if we get a response based on this podcast tonight, if we get tweeted at, I'm gonna Venmo or PayPal or Cash App, whatever they prefer, a crisp one dollar bill to the person that tweets at us. Nice. Yes. yes. Oh. Only one. Only uh, the first person. That is it. <laughs> I'm not going to cheat and give people inside information on that either. That's too good to be true. <laughs> all right so what you got for us on the commentary tonight well you know it's it's more of a it's more of a question 
for uh, how the season's been going so far. Last week, if you remember, I had a list of undefeated teams, and that list was broken into two categories, teams that had struggled and teams that had not struggled, and that was to date as of last week ahead of Saturday's games. That list this week, the, all the teams that had not struggled to date, there are nobody left on that list. We are four games in, and no team in the country has been dominant in every win that they've they've uh, faced off mm -hmm. on so far this year. That's a, I think that's a little unusual. Now I had went back and looked at it, but as particularly as dominant as Georgia looked the first three weeks of the season, they struggled with a one in three Kent State. Uh, they're practically I'm a FCS team. I mean, yeah. it was, and and that was not garbage time struggling. That that game was a ten point game in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. and yeah. so that that uh that that was for real. Uh, one of one of the top five lost outright. That was Oklahoma lost it lost at home to Kansas State. Um, Michigan struggled with Maryland. USC barely beat Oregon State on what was apparently the Vegas lock of the year. No kidding. And, uh, yeah, and then um, and then Ole Miss uh, struggled to put away Tulsa. They jumped out to an early lead, and Ole Miss didn't even score in the second half against Tulsa, and Tulsa come back and make it a one-score game. And you know what all five of those teams also had in common over the weekend? All five opponents that they struggled with, or let's say – I don't think Georgia was ever in any danger of losing that game. We're talking a struggle here, mm -hmm. but uh, and, and that was true of a couple of them. Ole Miss was never in danger of losing, but all five of those teams played unranked teams this past weekend. So people have been asking and yelling for parity in college football. It may be here sooner rather than later. I think there's currently 16 undefeated Power 5 conference teams in the country this week, and there's a handful of them that square off. So I'm not sure if this is a sign of things to come. You, you know, we we're four games in, and everybody has struggled to put away a team, and, and a lot of those have been against lesser competition. Well, now that we're starting to get into our fifth and sixth and so on, you know what that means. Everybody's now going to be in their conferences playing what should be tougher competition. We know it's going to be that way in the SEC. Uh, some other teams, like maybe USC, is thankful that they're now getting into conference competition. But but still, uh, I who knows? Is this a sign of things to come? What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's very difficult to go undefeated, as we talk about every year. And we have been spoiled with Saban. And granted, we lose games almost every year. I mean, 2020, you know, we, it was the last time we went undefeated. And that was a that was kind of a, an anomaly year. I mean, we did play 10 conference opponents, but we only played 10 games. So, you know, we got to not put ourselves at risk an, an additional two times. So, <coughs> uh, you know, this – we have wrapped up September, and what did you say about 16 teams left undefeated? I saw a tweet today on it, and I should have retweeted it, and I didn't. Uh, but it had all the, the logos listed of who's undefeated. And a lot of people, 16. A, a decent amount can go undefeated in September because the next games, you know, this weekend will be October 1. 
and then even fewer will make it out of October, and then even fewer than that will make it out of November, and hardly anybody will make it out of December. But I think the transfer portal is really where you're going to see the parity because, I mean, look at look at the number one sack leader in the in the country. I think now is Drew Sanders, who should be at Alabama. You know, he should be backing up mm-hmm. one of our one of our uh, all conference <laughs> all um, all American linebackers, but he chose not to, and I don't blame him, man. Hey, I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah, you know, I'm jealous that he's doing well, but. <laughs> these kids that are going to go and play now, I mean, just in this day and age, and, man, Mac was here just two years ago, but what's the chances of keeping Mac Jones at Alabama, out in Alabama for three years now? It's just it's going to be unheard of because the, the kid knows what he can do. And, um, and you know, and the, the coaches see it in practice, and you can't – I mean, quarterback is just one of those positions where you're not going to rotate. Well, <laughs> unless you're Auburn, you're going to rotate, but – you know that that's what kills you with quarterback, and that's why Florida State. We've we've talked about this on this podcast. Is <coughs> excuse me. I, I apologize for my coughing tonight. I, I think ragweed is blooming, and man, it has just go, thrown me for a loop. So you can is that only, what you're calling it these days? Yeah, you can only eat so many cough drops, and I'm cough dropped out today. <laughs> and what's bad is now I'm losing my train of thought too. But uh, where was I going with that, Tom? You're going to have to help me out. Well, oh, yeah, Florida were, State. Were, you... we talking about, I was talking about Florida State. You know, that's why they were so good for so long because, man, they just they would stack those quarterbacks. And, you know, one kid would leave early, and you'd have a third-year junior or a, a, or a, a third-year redshirt sophomore ready to go. And he was, he was good. And now it's just going to be hard. And not only were they ready to go, that's the way everybody expected – to 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 the progression of playing time to be in college football, you're a freshman. You hardly ever played. Mm-hmm. You're a sophomore. You start challenging for a job. A junior, you're you're a starter, and you know you're an all star as a senior. That was the progression for the longest time, and that's the way it, you know that you didn't expect to start as a freshman. Yeah, that's not true anymore, and I think. You know, a lot of things are attributed to Saban, but I think Saban was one of the first people to really uh, get out there and play a lot of true freshmen. Uh, I'm not saying, obviously, he's the first. I mean, that's that's been on. But when 08, 09... 2010 and just you know keep chalking it up from them when all that started happening Saban he was and it wasn't that he was out to say hey I'm just going to play freshman Saban was as open minded as a coach as you'll ever see still is in that the best talent's going to get on the field and he doesn't care if that guy is a senior out of high school or if he's a, a fifth year senior in his program mm-hmm. And, and and that's made a big difference in that just but like you said previously i don't care how good you were back in the 70s and 80s you are playing as a freshman i mean not at alabama i mean no. that's just that wasn't happening and that, and i think that rang true for a lot of schools like you were saying just like florida state and florida in the day when they had that string of quarterbacks coming through there all that was the same you know it, it was just plug and play after after the sitting on the bench for three years. Yeah. And, you know, the reason you play the freshman, a couple of things here. 
that I'm trying not to lose track of. The reason you play the freshman is because if you don't, then you get a situation like Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey was not 100% ready as a true freshman. And then guess what? We got two years out of him because when he stepped in as a redshirt freshman, he was really, really good. And then his redshirt sophomore year, so his only second year to play for Alabama, he's draft eligible, and he goes. And he, and he should have gone. I'm not – no knock on him, but that's why you try to get these kids in there because they're ready – if they're ready to play, which brings me to the second point, you know, we have taken for granted – I have I have harped and harped on the Treshawn Holden, Ty, jo- Ty Jones Bell, or Ty Bell Jones, whatever his name is, class at wide receiver for Alabama, how – they were not ready as freshmen. Heck, they weren't ready as, as sophomores. You know, now uh, Holden is finally playing. But – and you look at uh, this weekend, Auburn's quarterback, Ashford, got hurt and they had to bring in that Holden Jariner, I think's his name. And his first mm-hmm. pass was a lateral. Like, you know, he kind of panicked. <laughs> and actually, you know what, he tried to do the Bo Nix grounding and he, he threw it behind the line of scrimmage. So, obviously, he was forced into action due to T.J. Finley being hurt and due to Zach Calzada uh, not being uh, – well, he's hurt as well, but you know, the mixed feelings on how good he actually is, you know. But, hey, he, he beat Bammer. We got to get him. So, um, <laughs> it's just amazing that the kids who are ready to play versus those who are not. Because, man, if you're not ready to play, it'll show. And it showed with Holden Jariner. It has shown with our wide receivers, you know, at times like, uh, you know, we just had – we got spoiled on Jalen Hurts being ready as a freshman, Tua Tungvaloa being ready as a freshman, Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, Smitty, Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, Mechie. You know, you get so spoiled on them being ready to play as freshmen that when one comes along, it, I, I'm bad and this is terrible – this is terrible on my part, but I'm bad to just oh he didn't play as a freshman. Nah, he's a, he's gonna be a bust, you know, and that's which is stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to give you got to give uh, people time to to develop. Like Jarrell Harris from Gadsden, I think Gadsden's where he's from. You know, he came in the year after Julio, maybe, and boy, or maybe the year off Julio. I don't know, but we really felt like he was just gonna step in and be a world beater. And he turned out to be a very good player, but heck, it took three years, you know. And I, and a lot of Bama fans, me included, is like, well, yeah, he just he never gonna make it. He never gonna make it. Well, you got to give him time, you know. So, the uh, definitely struggle bus was um, was in effect this weekend. And speaking of struggle bus, like I said, we uh, we had the, the your fiftieth party last night, and uh, we we celebrated. You actually turned fifty on the twenty second. And I was on the struggle bus this morning. So I wake up this morning, Tom, and I wipe the cobwebs out of my eyes, shake my head, splash some cold water in my face. I look in the mirror, and I've got these dark circles underneath my eyes. And you know what I did? What's that? I use Man of Means skincare products to get rid of those circles. (laughs) When I put on Man of Means, uh, rubbed it underneath each eye, it was like magically disappeared. My skin looked a a robust 46 years old instead of 48. But you need to try it, guys. (laughs) It's Man of Means. You can Google search it. It should come up on Amazon. Uh, Tattoo Tom sells this. That's not to be confused with Tom Sims. But Man of Means skincare products, that is where it's at. Tom, you've got to get a uh, you've got to get a sponsor for the show. I get free product on the weekly, so it's just it's a it's a wonderful thing. So <laughs> let's break into. Uh, are you done with the commentary? That's a, we 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 short up there. Oh yeah, well I think we're all square. All right, cool. 
Well, let's get in a recap. So, you know, we put a couple of games down in Bama Vandy, Auburn, Missouri, and uh, then I put another bullet point, others, you know, which you've already discussed, Oklahoma going down, uh, Southern Cal struggling mightily uh, on the – that was on the road, wasn't it, Oregon State? It was, it was yes. Uh, and I, I think the biggest part of that is the score. Like, everybody was expecting, uh, you know, how are you going to stop um, – you know, how are you going to stop Caleb Williams and Addison, the Addison kid? And, I mean, they got 17 points in regulation. And I went to bed, and they were down by four because I yeah, it was 14 to 10 because I actually had it. I needed I needed to cover four. I didn't need to push on four because it was uh, – that wouldn't have been good. But let's break into Bammy Bama, Bama, Bama Vandy. Let's break into Bama Vandy. So last week you asked me a question. You said, were you satisfied with Bama? Who did we even play last week? Dude, I have drawn a blank all day. We La played. Monroe. Thank you very much. Could not remember. You know, you asked me uh, that morning because actually I watched the games with you last week. You said, were you satisfied with the victory? And I took 10, 15 seconds. I said, no. So I'm going to ask you, the Bama-Vandy game, were you satisfied after the game ended? Yes. Yeah, that, that, that game was much crisper. We executed well. And that's all we're after. The scores were relatively similar. But there was a world of difference, in my opinion, from the Vandy win versus the La Monroe win. You in agreement there? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I concur. I, I, I thought you were not going to give me a chance to concur, and I was going to be upset, but I definitely concur. We, it just, like you said, everything worked better. It's very frustrating when you start watching, you know, a Bama game because we're just so, we're so in tune to our team. I mean, I want shutouts every game. Every time we run the ball, I want 10 plus yards. And when, you know, when you open up a game, you're not going to get that because everybody's fresh. And and bottom line is, you know, it is Vandy. But you know what? They they have SEC athletes. They put up 60-plus on Hawaii. And I know Hawaii's not that good. But, you know, they had to score. And to hold them to three. But, but you know, as the game wore on, uh, of course, the numbers are going to be there with Bryce Young. If he stays healthy, you know, you don't have to give him the Heisman this year. You're, they're probably not going to give him the Heisman. But – I mean, who's better than him? Outside of Brock Bowers from Georgia, who's better than, than Bryce Young? Man, he's just so good, so smooth. But our running game, the running game really came along, which is what made me the happiest, I would I would assume, or I would say. And the defense, just after the field goal, man, just lights out. I, I don't know. I, Eli was telling me today, <coughs> excuse me, how many yards they had. It wasn't very many and, uh, and only three points. So, I just all in all, a very good victory. Agreed, and here's a couple of interesting – well, before I get into the really interesting thing, as a sidebar, again, you remember my uh, statement last week about the QBR rating and how it was befuddling me. We had a similar situation come up again this week. Bryce Young was 25 for 36, 385 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Sounds like a great stat line to me. I'd take that every week, every week. 86.3 QBR. High Simpson threw one pass. It was completed for five yards. It was not a touchdown. It was not an interception. He's got a 99.4 QBR. <laughs> We're starting the wrong guy. I don't, apparently so. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned the running game Saturday. Uh, that you were happy with, and I was too. But here's an interesting tidbit on the running game Saturday. Jace McClellan got 11 
carries versus Jameer Gibbs, three. I don't, I'm not suggesting that's a sign of things to come, but I think just from a pure running standpoint, Jace has earned that so far this year. Yeah. I think... I think everybody was expecting Gibbs to be the workhorse back there, and he is certainly getting his share of touches, particularly receiving out of the backfield, which we knew was coming. I mean, that was part of his package. But uh, when he started the year, he was getting a majority of the, the, the rushes too. So I think it, the intent was for him to be sort of the bell cow, but McClellan has really stepped up and earned his carries and that's not just in Vandy. I mean, I think he earned the right to get the majority of the carries in this Vandy game, and he did a lot with them. I mean, they both did. They, I think they both averaged more than seven yards per carry. Like you said, they're not going to get ten every time, but seven yards per carry, I'll take that all day. Um, the only, I guess, uh, I don't want to say low point, but there's there's some people, like you just said, that need to develop some younger players, and in particular, Prentice... Uh, the receiver, he's fast, he's quick, he's getting open, but if I remember correctly, he had a couple of drops on Saturday. Yeah. And and one would have been a third down conversion, which makes it glaring. It's really glaring when that happens. Um but uh but he I think he's gonna be a good player. I mean he's he's carved out playing time so far this year in meaningful minutes, but he's gonna have to shore up those hands uh, get some more stick them on there or something. I don't know what they're using these days, but whatever it is, he needs some more of it. But otherwise, yes, I I, I agree. Uh, very nice win, satisfied all the way around. It's probably a little different than the Auburn fans were thinking after their win on Saturday. Yeah, let me close out Bama saying uh, it, it was like Bryce. Uh, kind of, I felt like – that he was like, okay, guys, the first three games I've tried to spread the ball around. I've tried to develop the younger wide receivers. Now it's time to go play. Because Ja'Cory Brooks had, I think, four catches on the year, and then he had three catches in a row and then caught a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he, I don't know what his stat line ended, ended uh, total number of catches, but I think he had at least four that I can remember. I know three in a row, then I think the touchdown was later on. So – yeah, I mean, I, you know, JoJo Earl's supposed to be back at some point. And uh, who's the other one that's hurt right now? Uh, Tyler. Harrell. Yeah, Harrell. Tyler Harrell is supposed to be back. And then Anderson, I think he's a freshman, so I don't know if we're really counting on him, but he's also injured. So, uh, you know, Latou going out really scared me because, man, he's a he's a pretty integral part of, uh, of what we do on offense. So somebody will have to – yeah, he he came back in and played fine. I don't know what happened, but boy, he, it looked it looked scary because he wouldn't even put any weight on it. But you know that Niblack guy and um, Outs is that is the O U T Z S I think. You know, they're just, somebody's going to step up if we because you're going to get some you know bumps and bruises along the way. But I, I really like the the command that Bryce had of the offense, and and you nailed it on the Auburn Missouri. So I went to Mississippi State this weekend. I had not been there since uh, 2017, and Dad has a uh, it's a box. It's not a private luxury box like on the you know where you host 15 to 20 people and everything's enclosed. It's open air, but man, I love it. It's like a mixture of. Uh, Alabama's the zone. Uh, he does have six individual seats with uh, partition walls up. 
that separate him from the people on either side of him. And the main thing is he's got two TVs. And so I had one TV on the Auburn-Missouri game, one TV on the uh, the Clemson-Wake Forest game. And uh, everything <coughs> was going great till the Aaron Judge tried to hit number 61. Dude, that was such a terrible mistake on ESPN's part. And they they got roasted on Twitter. I don't know if I retweeted any, but the funniest one I read, I think, the lady, you know you know what I'm talking about, correct? I do, yeah. When they it split was frustrating. The I, I assume everybody listening to this podcast knows what I'm talking about. One lady says, she tweeted out, she said, if Aaron Judge was trying to hit 61 in my backyard, I'd close the blinds. <laughs> like, dude, nobody cares. <laughs> this is 2022. If we, yeah. if you want to watch baseball, I promise you, with the smartphone technology and all of the streaming platforms, if you wanted to watch Aaron Judge go for history, then you'll be able to find it. Like, don't, don't burden college football fans with that crap. Yeah, people are know? not – standing around going, why is this Arkansas game on when judges it bad? That's yeah. not happening. <laughs> no. Another good one was a, a Venn diagram of uh, of the people interested in both, and it was just two circles standing independently. <laughs> so anyway, I had the Auburn-Missouri game on, and what I could watch that was a bad glare because uh, the, the TVs work better in the night game, but – you know, so Auburn comes out and right down the field, 15 consecutive runs, and they score a touchdown. Then, of course, Missouri does what Missouri does. They get a, you know, throw a pick. Of course, at Auburn, all of the ricochets bounce straight up and fall harmlessly, or not harmlessly, they fall into an Auburn player's arms. And then it's just amazing he didn't run it back all the way in. Derek Hall, who played outstanding this weekend, by the way, with the, the probably <coughs> the lone bright spot for Auburn. But they go up fourteen nothing, and I'm like, well, that's this one's good because I actually uh, I had um, no, I didn't have Auburn on the sheets. I, uh, Eli had Auburn on the sheets, so um, I'm like, well, this is this one's gonna be a laugher. But I did have Auburn and Clemson on the money line parlay, so I'm like, man, I was already counting the money. But if you dig deeper on Auburn's first drive, if I'm not mistaken, they went for it on fourth down twice. So they were technically stopped, and then they decided to go. And hey, hats off to them. You know, fourth down is a decision down that you've you've got to live with the consequences. And and you know they they were three or four on the day on fourth downs, three in a row. Then that last one almost killed them. Should have killed them uh, when Missouri should have scored. But and then Missouri came back. Auburn went into just a shell of itself. And I tell you what happened, in my opinion. <coughs> it's, it's not that Auburn people are like well why'd Auburn go away from the run why tank tank Bigsby this and uh, Marquez Hunter this you know what what happened well I tell you what happened Robbie Ashford can't throw and teams and Missouri's like hey this guy can't throw we got to put eight in the box nine in the box we got to stop the run and once you stop the run you're going to stop Auburn and it doesn't really matter with Finley, because if Finley is in the game, yes, he's a better passer, but the receivers are crap. And if if Finley's in the game, you don't have to put that extra guy in the box to stop the, a running quarterback. Now, Finley can run, but he's not going to take it the distance like Ashford could. And it's just Auburn is not a good team. Missouri's not a good team. I mean, I think what we saw, I think in the state of Alabama on Saturday, you had the 14th, 13th, and 12th. Uh, teams in the SEC playing any way you want to put them. Vandy, Missouri, Auburn, all three are. Yeah, I agree. And and you and you nailed it. Uh, Auburn started out running, 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 and it didn't take Missouri long to figure out 
hey, they're just going to keep running it unless we do something about it. And they did something about it, and it was fairly easy for them to stop, which was bad news for Auburn. still is, and it's bad news going forward. And for those of you that didn't watch the game, uh, certainly some Auburn voodoo <laughs> in full effect down there. Ole Miss, or Ole Miss, Missouri had the ball. It was tied at 14. They had the ball with a minute to go. Auburn's out of timeouts, and Missouri's got it first in goal from like the three-yard line. Mm -hmm. And instead of them trying to score a touchdown there, they decided, because Auburn's out of timeouts, to just run the clock down to two seconds and set up for what is effectively an extra point. And he missed it. <laughs> missed the extra point in the last play of the uh, the regulation. So they go into overtime. Well, Auburn gets immediately stuffed. They're facing fourth down in the first overtime. And their All-American kicker, who's already missed one badly on the day, gets up there and yanks another one. Way left. Wasn't even close. Hang so on. Missouri was going to have... Let me let me throw let me uh, throw a fifteen second pause flag here if I if you will. Um, you're correct. It. You're correct. But on third down of their first overtime possession, Auburn throws an interception that has to be return recalled due to replay. And I think it, I guess I wasn't watching at this point. We were driving back, but Eli said that it was frame by frame. They had to look at it. So oh yeah, the ball hit the ground or whatever. So anyway, that's voodoo part number two is right. third down interception where Missouri could have had the ball and then now pick back up to your fourth down in the, the beautiful kick that Carlson yeah. attempted. So, so fourth down, Carlson puts it about 20 yards wide left, which would allow Missouri to kick a field goal in overtime to win. However, Missouri was offside, so they give Carlson a redo, and he makes the second one to put Auburn up by three. So now you're thinking, well, Missouri still, hey, they can get a touchdown. And the first or second play from scrimmage for Missouri in overtime, they're running back, busted up the middle, off the left tackle. He's got free reign to the corner of the end zone, and even if the Auburn guy is trying to get him on an angle, so even if he pushes him out, they're going to have it first and goal from the one at worst, at the mm -hmm. very worst. Yeah. And the guy tries to reach out and, <laughs> and tries to reach the ball over the goal line in a a bang bang play and loses control of it and ball flails into the end zone and Auburn recovers. He wasn't touched. He lost the ball before he ever got touched from from Auburn guys. So he just basically sticks his hand out and the ball falls out and he's at the half yard line and Auburn recovers. Game over. So. That's a lot of moving pieces that have to fall exactly your way. And, and like we've preached on here time and time again, they usually do down there. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Well, you know, the – and I don't know who is more upset, and I say this with all sincerity because I remember I remember with Shula, like you never want to lose on a Saturday. I mean, you, don't, you know, we're Bama fans. The Auburn fans are Auburn fans. They don't want to lose – but the more Mike Shula won, the worse it was. Because we couldn't get rid of him. You know, you can't fire a coach that's winning ball games. And so while I didn't want to lose, while I didn't want to lose, when when we when we did lose, it was kind of relief. Okay, we're one step closer. Because Auburn fans are just dejected because they know they didn't win the game. They just they they didn't lose. That's all you can say because Missouri had chance after chance after chance. 
And <coughs> this loss can be laid at the feet of one person. And I'm not talking about the kicker. I'm talking about the head coach. Why on earth would you leave it up to a kicker in college football? Okay, this is not the NFL. NFL, you have a professional kicker. I fully expect him to make 100% of the field goals if, unless it gets blocked from 26 yards out. And with a college kicker, yeah, I would hope he could, but you don't do that to a kid. You go ahead and score the touchdown. Like, why? There's under a minute left. And actually, Auburn, I looked at the I looked at the box score today. Is the only reason I know this. Auburn had used a timeout early in that drive. Like, just randomly used a timeout. I, I didn't really understand it. And, um, and so then Missouri gets down there. So when they get down there, Auburn has two timeouts, and there's 55 seconds left, I think. So I agree that if I was Missouri, I would I would tell my quarterback, we're going to quarterback sneak it. I want you to get as much as you can. If they let you score, go ahead and score. But by gosh, if you happen to fall down at the one-foot line, I'm not going to be mad because it's going to force them to use a timeout. We're going to burn five to seven seconds off the clock. But, Tom, even, even if they let them keep their timeouts, Auburn has done jack squat all day, and if you score a touchdown – They've got to drive – you're going to kick it – just say kick it out of the back of the end zone. They've got to drive 75 yards, something they hadn't done all day outside of the first quarter. Like, it's just so stupid for him to leave it up to the kicker. So, it's, it is the head coach's fault that they lost. But, I, I, you know, the, the fans were dejected. The Auburn fans, they're, you're happy you won. You're dejected. you got to keep Harson. I think Harson's devastated, man. He was about to get fired. They'd already said if he lost to Missouri, he was going to be fired yesterday, 100%. And which kind of begs the question, why are you keeping him? Because if the decision is made and the decision has all but been made, like all you're doing now is setting yourself up. Let's say they beat LSU this weekend, no chance they will, but let's say they do. And then you go to Georgia. Well, let's say Georgia turns the ball over five times and you, you beat them 17 to 16. Then now what? Like you're stuck with him and you don't want, you don't want him. So I don't know why they don't, don't just go ahead and fire him. But it was, a, it was a pathetic game. I mean, just all-around pathetic game. And uh, it was equivalent to the 3-2 game, uh, <coughs> I think it was 2012 in Starkville when uh, Auburn beat Mississippi State. And you know that game almost was 4-3. to three. I don't know if I discussed that on this or not. But Mississippi State got a safety, and they almost got another safety. And it was almost it almost ended 4-3. to three, But instead, Auburn pulled one out 3-2. to two. I know we're all shocked there that they pulled out a close game. <laughs> Uh yeah no that yeah and I have nothing more on that game but I did notice that uh Tennessee went to four and zero beating Florida this weekend just yeah. uh, mentioned that in passing and uh, Kentucky and Ole Miss both won to set up a four and zero showdown this upcoming weekend number seven versus number fourteen in the country and they pulled the eleven a.m. kickoff <laughs> it's the big noon kickoff Tom. Oh my gosh, that's that. I mean, I hate it for them, but that's just yeah, that's just the epitome of of Kentucky and Ole Miss football. But the Ole Miss uh, is rapidly climbing that ladder, and, and Kentucky's looked good the last two or three years. There's no denying that. And uh, one of those teams, one of those teams, are going to look really good with a five and zero record there. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They might crack the uh, the CFP next week. The the winner of that game might get the number four spot. I'm anxious to see where you've got teams listed, but we'll uh we'll get to that later. And yeah, the Tennessee Florida game. I mean, 
Tennessee looked really good. I quit watching it, and I saw where Florida caught up and actually had a, a Hail Mary to, that could have won it. But Tennessee punted zero times, man. That Hinton Hooker's good. I mean, he is really good. That game is worrisome. But, you know, they, they've there's – a, there's a reason that – the recruiting rankings exist, and and you can kind of I know you just because you finish one, two, or three, it doesn't guarantee anything, but you have stacked good players on top of good players, and I think we saw that with Arkansas has looked really good, and then they just fell apart after that fumble, which we hadn't really talked about that game. Um, you know, with with A and M is we talked about it this morning that. I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know why you try to dive in from the three-yard line if you're the quarterback, but that fumble just killed them. It's like it just took the life out of them for a quarter and a half, and they, they just couldn't get their mojo back. So, you know, it just A&M needed that win, and, and Arkansas did too because, you know, let's face it, Arkansas's got Bama coming to town this weekend, and that's our first game of the week. <coughs> I just checked the lines before we got on, and we have moved. We opened up at like 15 and a half. We moved up to 17. And if you're Arkansas, it just – life is tough. I mean, you know, sorry, this is life in the SEC. I mean, you play A&M, you lose. You know, you, you're you 3-0 and and you're looking really good. If you beat A&M, you come into the Bama game at 4-0 and and uh, you're a top-10 team. But you lose, you drop out of the top-10. And now, uh, you know, I mean, we should win this game. I'm, there's no guarantee. Uh, Arkansas has got a fine football team. But, like I said, with the recruiting – they don't have athletes stacked up on top of athletes, and I think it a show. I expect us to cover it. I don't know how, uh, but I, I think we're going to win. I've got the score at forty-five to seventeen. I just our defense. I saw a tweet today that talked about there's been there was one team that has not allowed a passing touchdown all year, but then I saw another tweet that said there's two teams. But I, I, let's just say it's one team. Who do you think that team is that's not allowed a passing touchdown yet? Is I don't remember how Texas scored because we've only allowed one touchdown all year. Did they run it in or throw it they, in? They ran it in. Uh, I think so B. John, yeah, be B. John Robinson. Yeah, it'd be us. And the other one on the, the two-team tweet, it was Kentucky. And I'd have to check. I don't, Kentucky's allowed some points. But <coughs> um, regardless, I think our defense is really going to play well this weekend. And I think you're going to see that talent gap. And not that it – it's not a Grand Canyon talent gap. But, I mean, it's big enough – that to where I really think we'll win. And I think you'll see also why Drew Sanders is not starting for us. Um, you know, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas, is going to pose some problems. They got Hazelwood, the receiver from Oklahoma, that transferred in. He's going to pose some problems. Rocket Sanders is really good. But, I mean, our defense has been just really playing really well. And Byron Young went out with an injury. Um, yeah, he was on crutches after the game, so I would assume he's a no-go. I hadn't really – you know, driving in late and getting into work late today, I, I absolutely researched zero on our injury situation. But I would assume he's out. But, man, with 31 and 15 and 41 and what they call that cheetah package on third down, that is very intimidating for other teams. Yeah, we're going to need that cheetah package with a uh, mobile quarterback because you, you nailed it. K.J. is a problem. And I, I was talking or, or looking at the Arkansas A&M game, and I was I didn't mention that previously because I knew we were playing them. So I, I'd, I'd sort of recap it a little bit this week or, or, or now during this session. But when Arkansas and 
uh, A&M matched up Saturday, Arkansas was better than them in every facet of the game. I went back mm-hmm. and looked at the stats. They had more passing yards, more rushing yards, more total yards, more first downs. They had better third and fourth down efficiency. They really dominated that game end to end. They were up 14-7 to looking to make that thing 21-7 to when that crazy play you're talking about. You know, you mentioned a while ago, and for those of you that didn't see it, not only did Arkansas's uh, quarterback uh, fumble going into the end zone on a first or second goal from the three, whatever it was, uh, A&M picks it up and returns it for a touchdown. It's a 14-point swing, and they never recovered from that mentally. That's yeah, no, you know that's They never got into a state where they felt like they could take control of the game after that. They were in the game. I mean, it was nip and tuck from there on out. But that gave A&M the boost they needed to stay in the game, and it deflated Arkansas. And I'll just be honest with you, A&M is not playing like a better than 8-5 and football team. At best. Yeah, now, I agree. maybe they turn it around because they got a lot of talent down there. But so far, they have not showed anything that says that they can win eight games this year. They, In all rights, they should have lost Saturday. They were at home, and they yeah, should have lost yeah. that game Saturday. And here, here's an interesting stat, and you mentioned this yesterday, I think, when we were talking, that you didn't mention today, but Arkansas is like 130th in the country in pass defense. They have given up 325 yards passing to every opponent uh, that they've played except for one. Max Johnson for A&M couldn't crack 200. I don't. I know we're playing Arkansas, but I'm getting off on this A&M tangent. But they're playing that poorly. They they've got the ball in the hands of a quarterback who's playing the you know one of the worst pass defense teams in the nation, and he can't crack 200 yards at yeah. home. That. They are so fortunate to be three and one right now. So fortunate. I mean, they are they are that fortunate that turnover away from being two and two and outside of the top twenty five after starting the season at what five six in the country. Oh yeah, uh, and then traveling to Mississippi State this weekend where they're a three and a half point underdog, and then they get Bama the next weekend on a night game. I mean, that was announced today. Uh, the two thirty game is going to be just a barn burner. Auburn versus Georgia. <laughs> And then we get the nightcap with uh, with Gary Danielson. Can't wait for that. But, yeah, yep. that, you know, I, I expect Mississippi State to beat them. Uh, I, on my sheets, I'm picking Mississippi State. I'm picking LSU on most of the sheets I have. But the, the one sheet, I'm, I'm picking Mississippi State because then it's not a, it's not a oh, uh, you know, reverse jinx type deal. No, I, I think State beats them this weekend. A&M is not playing that well at all. And, you know, Jimbo's lucky. If that – the you know, the rule on the, on the field goals – you know, if the ball travels what they say is over the top of the goalpost, it's counted good, even though if the goalpost stretched into infinity, you know, it obviously would have hit it. Well, this one didn't get up high enough or didn't stay high enough, and it hit the goalpost, hit the upright, and, and it fell, you know, back in the field of play. So that's how close they are to lose. They should have lost. I mean, if K.J. Jefferson, if he trips over his shoestring on that play and and uh, and then the Pittman's like, crap, that was he was about to dive. It was stupid. Let's – Let's call two running plays and then kick a field goal. If they do that, they win. I mean, it's not even yep. close because they had all the momentum and then that 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 scoop and score just really turned the table. But uh, I mean, yeah, we, well, we look, up- there's there's 
Yeah, there's two things that I think we need to look out for uh, in the Bama Arkansas game this weekend. One, I want to see if our receivers will be back. This was supposed to be the target week for JoJo Earl and, and Tyler Harrell to be off the injury list. They were at the game and on the field and going through warm-ups during the Vandy game this past Saturday. They did not play, though, but they were they were dressed out and warming up. So that's a good sign. That may have been their first progression back. So I'm interested to see if they'll be back. And if they are, you know, are they going to have an immediate impact? Are we going to see an immediate impact? Because we have at times, as we've mentioned several times so far this year, look like we've struggled to get open in the receivers and, and have been plagued with some drop balls, as I mentioned earlier. So that mm. that's another big one. And then the other one that I think this is going to be, to me, this is going to be the a real key to the game on whether or not Arkansas's in the game till the end or they're not. Obviously, I hope they're not, but K.J. Jefferson's a problem. He really is. I think we have a talented enough defense speed-wise, particularly in the linebacker position, uh, and, you know, based on that formation that we're calling the cheetah package or whatever, to keep him in, you know, in check as far as how much rushing he does. But what I think they're going to try to do, which most good quarterbacks with good receivers and coaching staff, they're, they're going to try to back shoulders. They're going to try to go and, and throw it up one-on-one. They don't care. They're going to tell him if you got him one-to-one and whether he's open or not, Throw it up. Let's see if he can make a play. Mm -hmm. Try to do a back shoulder. Try to do whatever you can do to make a big play. And that's how teams stay in games against us, particularly teams that are reasonably good. That I think you can go back for years and years and, and find example after example of us stuffing teams on first and second down and it's third and long and they back shoulders for 35 yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it just happens a lot. It was very frustrating. It's like the guy's not even open, but they're taking chances that they normally wouldn't take because it's Bama. What have they got mm -hmm. to lose? Exactly. So I think you'll see a lot of that stuff, and it depends on how well we defend it. And obviously that's a tough one to defend, and we've struggled a little bit with uh, uh, this year with that on a few pass plays that I can – Definitely remember, but all in all, we've been playing better as of late. So we we hadn't. This is the toughest team likely we will play to date. The the Texas was probably the toughest atmosphere, but Texas, in my opinion, does not have as good a team as Arkansas. And so this will be interesting to go on the road again in a in a high level atmosphere against a better team and see how we perform. I think we exert our will um, in the second half and specifically the fourth quarter. I, I'm I, I'm anxious to see. I think Jace kind of takes the the lead on when we need to salt a game away. Gibbs has a, a skill set that is very enviable for a running back. But, you know, when he blew that blitz against Texas, I think that kind of maybe turned the – the tide a little bit in in Jace's favor. Not that Gibbs is bad. I mean, no, he's very good. But I just, I feel like Jace is the tougher runner between the tackles. So I look for us to exert our will late in the game. And like I said, I see forty five seventeen, uh, probably about a 10, 10 point game. Maybe late in the third quarter, we get that touchdown to go up seventeen, then a pick six, and then the route is on. So, uh, you got a score for us on Bama? What do you think? 
or at least I've really a point been flip flopping. <clears throat> I like your forty-five. That's where I was at, and I've been flip flopping. If if it goes the way that I think it can go, I could see us winning this game like forty-five to six. If I'll, they I'll get some of those back shoulders, it could be a forty-five to thirty game. Yeah, uh, where, where they actually get the cover and we give up more points than we we like, and we're all upset about golding again. Um, <laughs> it's probably somewhere in the middle, and you're probably right on it. But I hope my first uh, my first intuition is correct with the forty five to six. So I'll, like I'll, I'll go with six. that. All right, the second game uh, game of the week, and we're just going to talk about it because they're the in state team, and we hate them. It's LSU at Auburn. I mean, this is just a mismatch. Uh, you know, you've got one team who, and I just got a, t- I got a text from Ezel, and uh, he said, "I'm hearing Hugh Freeze is a done deal." Have you heard anything to, to Auburn, of course? And I have not heard anything, but obviously Harson's on his way out, and uh, you know Brian Kelly is is at LSU. He's got him excited. They very close to being undefeated. Could have beaten Florida State just as easily as they lost. <coughs> but I, I just feel like. Auburn's going to be a fractured team. Their, their players are hearing all this. They know their coach is under, you know, under scrutiny. And their offensive line, they're on their number three center because their number one center uh, had to get on AARP due to his bad knees, and he'd been in the program so long. Their second string center is out six to eight weeks. I think he had surgery today. So they're on their third team center. I, I'm going to say LSU. I'm going on a limb and say LSU's defensive front is much better than Missouri's. I just I see LSU just running away with this thing, and Harson's on his way out Sunday morning before coffee. Very well, could this is a a much bigger line than we thought it might be in the preseason? Eight points is that what it was? Eight eight and a half? Uh, it's like got up to nine. I just looked at it before we got on, and it's up to nine. Nine, yeah. So I I think you're correct. I think the glaringly obvious better team is the one that is favored by nine, they are going into Jordan Hare, and they're going to be in that uh, voodoo zone. Won't matter. But, uh, but I, I think, again, with you, I, th- I was surprised. And I'll tell you this, and we talked about this last week, and, and, you know, I picked Missouri as one of my games last week, and they almost pulled it off as a outright upset. But I picked them because it was an 11 o'clock game, and I didn't expect the stadium to be – very full, and I was surprised they actually they actually had a pretty good showing for an eleven o'clock game that last Saturday. Uh, so does that continue with the poor showing? You know, some of those folks may have written that off to Penn State being a really good team and that they can turn it around. I don't I don't think there's a justification for almost losing to Missouri. And so I'm interested to see what the crowd commitment is again this weekend. But but I agree with you. On paper, this is a, this is an LSU game. We'll see how it shakes out. It's a night game, so they do have that one going for them. But uh, I've got LSU 38-10. I don't think it's going to be close. I'll go uh, LSU 24-10. to. 10. I like that score for them too. I don't think I think they're going to have a hard time moving the ball just like you think they are as well when when a, when the defensive guys realize that all they're going to do is run the ball or turn it over then the the game plan <laughs> becomes really simple. Yeah. So we both got LSU covering there pretty really, me really, really easily and you rather easily at, at a 14 point clip at minus 9. 
So let's recap our bets. Man, we went two and two together. I think I have that right. I had Clemson minus seven and a half. Before, when I put that pick out last week, I said, do not take this pick. It's not going to hit, but I got to take it. And sure enough, it didn't hit. And uh, I did have Arkansas plus two and a half. And uh, if you got that in early, you got that at two and a half. So I, I went one and one. And I had you also at one and one with Missouri and Iowa State. Is that correct? Yeah, my, my dark horse playoff team, Iowa State, got down early. They played toe-to-toe with Baylor throughout, but they never could get it closer than seven, and that's the way it ended up. So you're paying juice. After two undefeated weeks, what, we went 3-0-1, and, or no, we went 3-0-1, 3-1, now we're back to 2-2. Two and two. So you're paying the juice, but you hey, you got it because you bet with us the last two weeks and, and you made money. So who you got game one this week? Well, I hope I don't have yours because you already mentioned it earlier, but I like Mississippi State over A&M too, all for the reasons that we already talked about. Um, A&M's just not playing very well. They're just not. And I think at this point in the season, Mississippi State is a better team. They have the better passing attack, of course, with Will Rogers, and I see them actually putting up some points here as a small favorite and A&M's going to struggle to score with Max Johnson at the helm. So I, I like State in this one. Yeah, so 3 o'clock kick. I, I think the – like I said, I went to State this weekend, and uh, we're running short on time or I could get into about a five-minute diatribe on what State saw and what every college football team is going to see. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds. The stadium's half full, maybe three-quarters full. And, dude, that's what you're going to get because it is so easy to stay at home – 11 o'clock in September in the South is still very hot. I mean, we got sunburned, and it's not a quality opponent. You know, I've said it all along. When Saban leaves, you let Bama be 4-2, and two, uh, which I know that would be an October game, but you let us be 4-2 and two with Vanderbilt coming to Tuscaloosa for an 11 o'clock kick. <laughs> You're not going to fill the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But I, I do. It, it'll be full this week, and the Cowbells will be ringing. And I did have State as my third pick, but you gobbled them up. That's no problem. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with uh, who I was gonna go with anyway. I'm going LSU minus nine. I am going against Auburn until Vegas figures out how terrible they are. So LSU minus nine over the Auburn War Eagle Tiger Plainsman. I'm gonna dip my toe into the ACC for my next pick. It was a pick that I almost went with last week, but was opposite of you. Wake Forest getting the cover against Clemson this week. They play Florida State, and they're a six-point dog to Florida State. I think Wake Forest is a pretty good team. I really do, and that's the reason I kind of liked them last week. They went toe-to-toe, obviously, with Clemson. That was a, what, a double overtime game that they Mm, lost against the number four team, Clemson. And this week, they get to play undefeated Florida State. Now, I know they're going to be beat up, but I, I just think Wake Forest has a legitimate shot of winning this game outright. I'm going to give you seven on that. I checked the lines earlier. Wait, plus seven. So, my last game is going to be Kentucky plus six and a half. I don't know that they don't that – excuse me. I don't know that they don't win outright. Uh, it's at Ole Miss. So, I'm not going to take that right winner. But I think it's going to be a close game, a field goal game. And I think Kentucky will be right there in the fourth quarter. And it will be theirs for the taking if they can, if they can take it. But we'll see. So, <coughs> Mississippi State, Wake for Tom, LSU, and Kentucky for me. Um, quickly, college football playoff projections. Uh, let me go first because, you know what, I deemed Alabama when we struggled and we try to be fluid and, and not just keep the same old teams up to the top. So Georgia struggled, Georgia's dropping. Bama looked really good, so we're moving up. So I've got Bama at one, 
I've got Georgia at two. I've got Ohio State at three. If Georgia struggles one more time, Ohio State will bump them because Ohio State looked really good this weekend. And then for my number four, and that's kind of where we're at this year, I think everybody agrees that you can put Bama, Georgia, Ohio State in one, two, and three. Nobody's really going to argue. Uh, number four, I'm going with a Kentucky – oh, I'm kind of cheating here, but I'm going to go with Kentucky Ole Miss winner. I think the winner of that team is going to be prime for the, the fourth playoff spot if the playoff started today. That's interesting. Uh, I also moved Bama to one for the same exact reasons. Just yeah, cooler heads are going to prevail if you're going to give if you're going to give one team that bump because they look good and the other one didn't, then you get the same treatment. And they they played a a, a way lesser team than Texas no, in absolutely. Kent State at so, home uh, at home. Yes, and so uh, I'll I got Bama one, Georgia two. In my third spot, I moved the team that was last week in the fourth spot up. I had Michigan slash Iowa State, and Iowa State is, is, you know, they lost. So Michigan by default coming there. I moved them to third. They did struggle a little bit, but I still like that defense and what they're doing there. So I got Michigan in three, and I have Ohio State in four. So I have two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in the playoffs. Oh, the the committee is weeping right now. They don't want that to happen. Boy, they would be mad. They, that twelve teamer could not get here quick enough, and I, I I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap us up, and uh, we we try to we always leave politics out of this podcast, and uh, but we're going to do a little personal note, man. If you're the praying type, we we have a dear friend that's in need of prayers, uh, Daryl, who's been listening to the show since the day we in of its inception. I've known him since I was a, a, a youth. And Tom's known him since uh, his first day of college, so he's in really bad health. So we appreciate any prayers you can give to Dean. And, um, but Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Have you seen Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>